and welcome to Keeping Them Safe. I'm Sharon Doty, and my goal here today and always is to empower you as the adults in the lives of the children and young people you care about and you interact with to create safe environments by being able to identify the potentially risky adults that are around them and stopping any potential grooming behavior before it can come to fruition. Today we're going to talk about something a little different. There is uh, research going on in the UK in particular and in Australia by linguistic professors who are looking at something very specific that can assist us in identifying who it is that is engaging with our children online. So I'm actually going to talk today about the primary tool for online grooming, which is language. Online, that's what predators have. They have language. They might eventually seek personal contact, but the game online is played in language up until that time. Now, you know, there's that old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Well, in this case, that's not exactly true. In this case, words can hurt our children. Words can lure them into traps that they can't escape from. Words can leave them feeling inadequate, unloved. Words can harm and help and empower and destroy. And there's a group of professors at uh, Swansea University in the UK that are looking at how we can look at the words and hear the words of potential predators online and determine what's their objective. What are they up to? How can we as parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles really know what an online predator is seeking. So research is being done by this group into the language that is commonly used by online predators, and it's giving us a whole new insight into the skills and abilities and the focus of online predators during the grooming process. So these three researchers and their studies are bringing together three different disciplines and looking at the actual language being used in online chats. And they're looking to see if there is more we can learn about how predators lure and trap children in our effort to find ways to prevent abuse. You know, we can learn a lot about online predators and the way that they access uh, our children. For example, their research is based on three propositions. And there are propositions that I think we can all assume are fairly accurate. The first one is online groomers are likely to be more direct in their solicitation of sexual behavior than offline groomers. You know, things move quickly on the Internet. You and I both know that. We know that you can go from zero to 100 on the Internet in a nanosecond. Online grooming takes a lot less time. 
even though the characteristics, the behavioral characteristics that we know exist in the grooming process are still being used online. It just goes a lot faster. The second proposition is that online groomers use a variety of strategies to develop trust in their relationships with potential victims, just like those that are offline. You know, they might agree with them when they're when parents upset a child because they said no to something. They might cultivate the relationship in any number of ways. The same thing happens online. The online groomer takes their solicitation strategy from the wants and needs of the child expresses. And the third assumption or proposition they base their research on is that online groomers use different methods of assessing the willingness of potential victims to take risks than offline groomers use. That means they're just different methods. You know, we're only a disembodied voice online and nobody actually knows what's behind that. However, if you were in the same room speaking with a child, they'd know how old you were. They'd know what you looked like. They'd know what your name was. They'd know where you came from and how you knew them. They'd know all that kind of uh, information because you were right here in their own home or their own school or in their own environment. That's not the case with groomers. So how did they do this research and what did they discover? Well, the first thing is there are um, a couple of companies around the world that actually record, engage with potential predators and actually then record those conversations um, so that they can discover how they go about, predators go about accomplishing this intention to engage with young people online and to solicit them online. So these researchers used chat logs from 24 randomly selected chats between online predators and volunteers with this organization that was formed to fight online predators. You know, I think you've probably heard from time to time about police officers pretending that there were a 12-year-old or a 13-year-old online and um, engaging with a potential predator and then arresting that person for soliciting a young person online. It's those kinds of volunteers that are engaging with these in these conversations and recording the chats. Now, none, get it, none of the volunteers were children. However, it's clear from the fact that every single one of the online groomers that participated in these chats were convicted that they thought they were interacting with children. So although none of these volunteers were kids, those groomers thought that's who they were talking to. Uh, pretty much what they said wouldn't have been illegal if it was said to an adult, and they knew that. There are a lot of findings in the research that are going to be valuable for future conversations and articles, but right now what we're going to consider is the unique way that predators develop trust online using only language. You know, in person, they bring gifts, they offer to help, 
They make plans and provide activities. They do all kinds of things to engage directly with children. But online, all they have is language. So the phrase the linguist used to describe this trust development process is deceptive trust development. Now, what that means is that groomers are disguising their primary intention to engage a child in sexual behavior by appearing to be cultivating a personal relationship with the child by pretending to be friendly. And they focus their initial conversations on building rapport, establishing a friendship relationship. It, it starts to seem to the child that somebody's truly interested in what they think and what they want. But in reality, the purpose of the communication is to trap the child in a sexual relationship. Now, for starters, these online groomers contain much more sexual language in their chats. And it shows up much earlier in the conversation. And part of this is the effort to desensitize this victim or a potential victim. But you know what? It also serves as sexual gratification for the predator during the grooming process. And that happens in a way that offline predators or person-to-person or face-to-face don't experience. So that's one of the things that we can look for. We can look for explicit sexual language much earlier in a conversation. The second thing they do, and this is really, really, really important for all of us to know, is they do a lot more complimenting of potential victims and a lot more reinforcing their self-image to build trust, to desensitize the child, and to mentally and emotionally isolate them from others. They intend to be the one who truly occurs to the child as the one who cares about them. The third thing is throughout the conversation, groomers are gauging the potential victim's compliance. This means that throughout the interaction, the groomers are saying things to learn about the level of trust they're achieving rather than waiting, as groomers do in face-to-face interactions, to establish a level of trust before stepping over the line. Now, one particular way the groomers made children feel like they were important was to appear to leave decision-making to the child. Now, how many of you can already see, if you stop and think about it, in almost every case, we could agree that having the power to make decisions is something children grasp at. (laughs) They always think they know what they want. They always think they know what's best for themselves. They always think they know best and they should get to decide. And we know that most decisions are better left to the adult. However, 
a predator might say, for example, I don't know, that was just an idea, it's up to you. Or they might say, well, you choose. Let's meet somewhere public where it's safe. And the purpose of that conversation is to ensure that victims don't tell anybody about the relationship with the groomer or the predator. They are playing to a need in a child's development, especially um, young adolescents who are just reaching out for those moments in time when they can feel in control and nothing else in their life seems to be. They think they're making good decisions because it's, the decision has been left up to them. Online strategies for hooking children are a lot more complex and they're difficult to distinguish one from another, but taken together, they move the process forward with velocity. And all the while, the predators experiencing sexual gratification as the grooming goes on. There's a lot more for us to learn about the language of grooming. However, in the meantime, it's important to remember that monitoring the chats your children have is very important. Research has demonstrated that although young people know what to do and not to do online. <laughs> they don't pay any attention to the risks. They actually feel safe. So it's up to us to learn all we can about how predators groom children through online contact, because that's key. It is essential to keeping them safe at all times. Language is their own, only real tool for grooming online. And the more we know about it, the more we can work to put a stop to it. So just those three little things that we got in this conversation can make a difference. Noticing explicit sexual language appearing earlier in a conversation. A lot of complimenting, reinforcing their self-image telling them how pretty they are, how smart they are, how people don't appreciate their talents and gifts. It builds trust and desensitizes the child and both mentally and emotionally isolates them from others. So we want to be the ones who are acknowledging and appreciating them and letting them see that their self-image is their self-image, not someone else's. And then really discovering and noticing the conversations that appear to be gauging their level of compliance. Things that you see in a chat that would gauge the level of trust they're achieving in the conversation. And finally, that whole piece about giving children decision-making power or appearing to. We want to find ways in our lives and in our interactions with our kids to give them authority to make decisions, to give them the power to choose, to give them avenues and 
aspects of their life that they can make a difference and they can choose the way it goes. When we do that, we accomplish a couple of things. First of all, we become someone that they actually trust. We become someone that is empowering them to grow up to be responsible adults. And and the second thing is that we really do give them our trust and support and let them know that we think they're amazing. Now, sometimes that doesn't work, but look for ways that it does. Remember, language is the only tool a predator has online. And the more we know about the language they use and how they use it, the more we can put a stop to them. Thank you for listening today. This is Keeping Them Safe with Sharon Doty, a program committed to creating a world where children are safe from sexual predators and no child ever has to fear being sexually assaulted by someone that says they care about them. Thanks for joining us today. We look forward to speaking with you next time. If you have questions or comments, please let me know at info, keeping them safe at gmail.com. Thank you for joining us today.